And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we move into a Tuesday in the first full day of spring. Gary, how are you? Oh, yeah. It's going to be a little warmer today. Yeah, we actually are getting warmer weather here. Yeah. Where we are. I, I, no, I, I didn't even know. When you said that, I went, what day is it? <laughs> yeah. Spring arrived officially several hours ago. I felt it. I knew it. All right, I'm doing my last minute checking here because when I when I woke when I woke up I was didn't you know, just I was analyzing everything that went on yesterday. Mm-hmm. And okay, I don't I don't see anybody saying this because this is the one thing that got me. And I thought about it yesterday when I saw that uh Bob Costello you know, from that famous comedy group uh, was, oh, that was Abbott. Okay. <laughs> uh, that, uh, the, no, the former legal aide to Michael Cohen. Mm. And I saw yesterday that he was testifying and he had called Cohen a liar. And even on the air yesterday, I was like, I don't understand this. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. And then going through all, all of yesterday, I'm like, wait a minute, this makes no sense. And I didn't see anybody analyze it this way because it hit me probably during the middle of yesterday's show and I was just going through and reading something, I go, I'm not reading this right. Something's wrong. I, I, I didn't trust what I was reading. I went, this this can't be true because Bob Costello testified yesterday before the grand jury. And we know what he said. It's out there that Michael Cohen is a liar. We know he's a liar. He's lied before. You know, he's he's a criminal and nobody should believe him. And he yeah. testified that way, and he came out, he said, you know, Bragg doesn't seem like he's looking for the truth and all that. But my question was not any of that. My question was, why did Bragg call him? Is no. Bragg's intent still to prosecute Trump? That would be the – and I saw nobody hit this yesterday, and it's simply, you're in a grand jury. The only side you hear is the prosecution. Why would one of the last witnesses, because apparently there's another witness on Wednesday. I saw that. So he wasn't, I saw, you know, that he was the last witness. But as, you know, as of uh, beginning yesterday, we thought he was the last witness that it was going to be on Monday. Okay, that's that's what 
wasn't clear whether or not they moved his testimony up or he actually isn't the last witness and there's one more coming on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I saw one more on Wednesday. Okay, all right. I, I read that. Now, that may not that may not be true. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I, I had read that in, in – it was either Wall Street Journal, National Review, Fox, or one of the other many publications that I've been going through yeah. you know, over the last uh, half hour or so. But my point is, after it's out there that you, know, you are most likely to prosecute and it's part of – why would you put out – you know, why would you even call a Costello? Because he went through the entire thing. He said, look, when I knew Michael Cohen was testifying and what Michael Cohen was saying he was going to say, I knew he was lying and I called the DA and I told the DA this is all, you know, a bunch of hogwash. Trump, he said, did not know about the payments at all. Now, this comes from the legal advisor to Cohen. So you're looking at this saying, well, why did Bragg call him? Because right. your your goal, if you're going to if you're going to indict a ham sandwich, mm-hmm. you know, you don't bring in a vegan. Yeah, exactly. You or maybe you bring in a vegan. Uh, I like you don't that. bring a you don't bring you know, in a, a meat eater. If, right. Yeah. You bring in the, all the vegans, not the meat eaters. And and so <laughs> when 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 you have Costello coming in and saying, uh. As one of the last witnesses, yeah. What are you doing? This this guy, this guy's lying. Mm-hmm. Trump didn't know anything about it. That doesn't make any sense. Why Bragg would do that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, that it doesn't. And and nobody, I didn't see. Now maybe somebody did. I and I went through to see. Ju- just went through the uh, the the quick outline of of the different news shows last night that I might have missed in prime time. Mm-hmm. And I don't see where anybody has addressed this. And it was so clear. And I read so many articles yesterday talking about Costello. And I went, well, wait a minute. Why would Bragg call him? This is a grand jury. It's not the re- it's not the regular trial. Only the prosecution gets to make their case. Why would you bring in somebody? And then Costello was on the courthouse steps saying, this guy's a liar. This guy's a liar. This guy's a liar. Everybody knows he's a liar. Well, it says here from ABC7 in New York in a news conference after his grand jury appearance, he told reporters that he had come forward to provide exculpatory information about Trump and to make clear that he did not believe Cohen, who pleaded guilty to federal crimes and served time in prison. He did not believe Cohen could be trusted. And so my question is, all right, then he came forward Based on what you can't do, you do you just get to walk into the grand jury no, and say, no, "Hey, no, I'm here. Let no. me speak." No, the the, the DA, then how did that happen? The the DA called him in. Bright called. You don't just get to say, "I I want to testify in the grand jury." The DA has to call you in, and that's what doesn't make you know. You don't get to do the. The de- there is no defense. The defense doesn't get to bring in exculpatory evidence. It's a grand jury. The prosecution mm-hmm. runs that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how that. Uh, yeah, happened in the process. I'm not sure. Well, he had, you know he had to call him in. So my question is, why would Bragg do that? Why would Bragg shoot his case in the foot in the media and inside the grand jury if he really wanted to indict? Unless he wanted this publicly. So he, in a couple of days, could say, well, you know, a lot of the members of the grand jury wish to indict. And 
And uh, and uh, but when it came down to it, we realized that our witness, you know, Michael Cohen, which has to be the key witness. Well, he was the key witness until mm-hmm. Costello came in. Right. I mean, it just it doesn't make any sense why you would why you would call him in. Of course, Costello came forward to give exculpatory evidence to basically say, you know, this guy's a liar, but he, Bragg doesn't have to allow him in. I, I just I don't understand. You know, it, I, it makes me wonder now is Bragg because you when you when you see yesterday, you say, well, this case is a complete mess. Well, I mean, be, before before Costello ever came in, everybody, even on MSNBC yesterday mm-hmm. on Morning Joe, they were talking about yeah. the fact this is an extremely weak case. Everybody knows it's a horribly weak case. Did did somebody get to brag and say, "Look, you can't do this"? Did somebody? Did some Democrat come to brag and you know? You and I were talking about the possibilities beforehand. Somebody get to brag and from the from you know the the, the Democrats and say, "Look, we have stronger cases. If you if you go ahead with this." You're going to lose. It's going to be nothing but a right. circus, and you're going to lose. You're going to lose, and, and you're will... going to you're going to give Trump leverage, and we don't want that. Well, you you and the other cases that we believe are stronger that this would be somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't know in the Department of Justice. I don't know who. I mean, I and and again, from what I've read, the the case for for against Trump in uh, in Georgia is stronger, but still weak. And the problem with Mar-a-Lago is the fact that. You, if you if you file that against Trump, well, then you you will face the same thing here that it's political because you didn't go after Biden. Yeah, and you know for Biden for his for his you know top secrets and classified information everywhere. So, uh, but still, that's what I would think. Somebody would say, "Look, if you do this, you're going to lose." Costello was so strong. So how do you how do you blow up your own investigation or your own you're you bring in somebody like Costello, who says your key witness is a liar, and I'll I'll test and I've just and he testified under oath. Trump didn't know any money was exchanged. Yeah. Uh, now, does, under, now, under New right. York law, a person who pros, uh, who prosecutors expect to indict can request that a witness appear on his or her behalf. Who? So Trump can, uh, Trump's team can request that somebody did appear the, before really? the grand jury under New York law. Yes. Did Trump request that? Must have. Yeah, I've never seen any his news law, item on that. His lawyers must have done that. So. Then why why did it leak? Well, Costello came out and did the press conference after his testimony. Well, yeah, but he's not supposed to. He didn't talk about what he said there. He just called Michael Cohen a liar. Right. From what I saw. Right. How did it leak? I don't know. Because, it, to me, the case totally blew up in the public yesterday with Costello testifying. Right. Well, no, I think it, it was a... It was a huge, huge blow right. to the case. Well, that was already weak to begin well, with. Well, the, and, and Costello said he went forward. He didn't say I went forward because the Trump lawyers told me to go forward. Well, but he may have been implying that he agreed to come forward. That it was he was good with coming forward. But well, under, he, well, he he didn't agree. He wanted to. Come well, that's forward. how it he has went, to happen. Right. He, so because it, it he had said to have, 
It had to have been right. at the at the request of the Trump defense. Well, he, but but see, he went he went. What he said is he went to them, mm-hmm. and when he went to them, he told them, you know that that uh, you know that uh, it's. Uh, he said this is the way it is, and it's a lie and everything else. Mm-hmm. And then he said he can testify, but he'd only testify if Cohen would allow him to. Mm-hmm. Because of attorney-client privilege. He was his legal advisor. Mm-hmm. And apparently, he said, I got the approval to do so, which means Cohen had to agree to it. None of this makes any sense. No. But because Cohen, I, I started with the question in our pre-show meeting. He wasn't going to testify unless he got the approval that attorney-client privilege was taken out of it. You know that 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 didn't become a a a problem here. Mm-hmm. But he called them and told them that Cohen is lying. And yeah, then, then right. he said he got approval to do so. Who well, do you, but does who, any of that information on that item fall under attorney-client privilege? The information on the payments. Uh, Since he, Cohen he, already he, released he, all that information, he thought it did. Costello did. Yeah, I don't know. But the question that I started with in our pre-show meeting, does Bragg believe or has he been asked to basically stand down? Don't go forward with a with an indictment. And I guess we'll find out soon enough. It's certainly not going to happen today, Tuesday. No, I saw ne- I saw next week. Yeah. I'm trying to find where I was reading it before. Look, we you know, we tore it down uh on yesterday's show that Cohen's a horrible witness. I don't know why in the world that would be your key witness. But if you've got nothing else and you're someone like Bragg who's intent on you know, indicting a ham sandwich here, then, yeah, you use whoever you got. As Cohen said, he testified to the grand jury. Remember that under Monday that Trump did not know about the payments by Cohen to Stormy Daniels. Hmm. So, I mean, it's just, it's it's bizarre. Hmm. Uh, I want to find out where he said. I read that earlier. I got to find out where I. But you know, that's... saw that about where he said I went. That that Costello went to the uh, to the DA and said, right. You know, this is he's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. And mm-hmm. so it was proactive on his. Mm-hmm. I didn't see where he said that he did that on behalf of the Trump lawyers. Which is again, it's all interesting. And I just, I just wish I could get because I look, I'm not a legal mind, but I, you know, I, I, that's not what I do, but. I would like the, to see. the final decision to hear the witness rests with the grand jury, so not the prosecutor. Then, according to New York State law, they the grand jury could have turned him away, Costello. Oh, okay. they did not. So you know when you break that down, um, it really comes down to whether or not the the, ju- the grand jury believes uh, Costello or whether or not they're fully on uh, politically motivated, you know, terms with, with this endeavor. Yeah, here's, in the okay, I find it here. I called them after I saw Michael Cohen on TV, mm-hmm. stating things 
that said he was going to tell the grand jury that were contrary to what he told us when we first represented him in April of 2018. So I'm sitting at home watching these lies, and I've said, I've got to do something about it. I don't represent Donald Trump, but I do stand for justice, and I think I have a legal obligation to inform both sides. When the U.S. Attorney's Office phoned Cohen to talk about his time representing Cohen, he asked if they had documentation of Cohen waiving his attorney-client privilege. Hmm. And they said, you presume correctly. I said, fine, send it over. I'd be delighted to talk to you. That waiver is very clear. And once we had that, I prepared 330 emails, a bunch of text messages. Costello said, adding that he also provided documents related to an interview uh, from then uh, Democratic-led House uh, committee investigators, whom he said he included current uh, Representative Daniel Goldman, then the director of investigations uh, with uh, Adam Schiff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said he's then sent that same documentation to Trump's legal team and Bragg's office, adding that he further requested to meet with the Democrat personally. That was back then, though. Yeah. But so, yeah. So, I mean, this was him, you know, on the, uh, you know. But technically, I mean, you can I could see Trump's team just maybe that happened. Putting maybe, the because yeah, yeah. if he contacted them with the same documents earlier right. Then and then he said, "Hey, I'm willing to testify on your behalf. All they have to do is put it's that okay. request, right. and then if the grand jury uh, says okay, all right. Well, let's say that's the case. Mm-hmm. The, let let's say all those things happen in the Trump lawyers because I look at it, I go, well, then Bragg's case blew up yesterday. Yeah, it, it, and, and, it, and, I, and I didn't hear anybody. If, yeah, and if I didn't hear anybody Costello, I, and yes. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear right. that in the media. Right. Well, because of all this, his case." Is garbage now. If it was garbage before, it's, it's total worse. garbage yeah. now. What you, what little you had, right, is now ashes. And I didn't see that angle yesterday. The no. Costello's testimony destroyed Bragg's case completely. I guess it's you know we won't know until we yeah. find out the impact on the grand yeah. jury. Eight six six ninety red eye. It's not always easy to spring back from the harsh days of winter to warmer months ahead. From de-icing chemicals to hidden debris underneath snow and ice, winter conditions can do serious damage to your truck. Here's a must-do maintenance check to help you minimize downtime and stay rolling. Have your wheel alignment checked to set you up for a safer and smoother ride. Driving with incorrect wheel alignment can result in reduced performance, tread wear, and steering issues. While you're at it, make sure your tires are properly inflated based on the load you're hauling. Underinflated tires can impact your fuel economy and result in blowouts. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. 
And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Cardin. I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety of Red Eye. Uh, you know, you just you look at this here. Some of the stuff from uh, Costello, the former legal aide uh, to Cohen. Uh, he claims he once met with an emotionally distraught Cohen who alleges he said, "I swear to God, Bob, I don't have anything on Donald Trump." Costello said his client continued acting incredibly distraught and purportedly said, I will do whatever I have to do. I will never spend one day in jail. Now what he's saying is I lie, cheat and steal, shoot somebody. I will not spend a uh, day in jail. He told Tucker Carlson, do you think a guy who is uh, 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 whose mentality is uh, that is not going to admit that he has information on Donald Trump? But having said that, the DA's office didn't ask me questions to bring that up. I brought it up anyway. I ignore their questions and simply gave them information. Hmm. And so, I mean, you just look at all this and you say, if he said that inside that room, did he not destroy Bragg's case? If what we're being told is Bragg's case is Bragg's case. Right. Yeah. So good, you know you want to listen again with our podcast, available on our app and at RedEyeRadioShow.com. And he's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Well, Governor Ron DeSantis yesterday was asked the question by a reporter about the Donald Trump situation. Uh, we wanted to know what your thoughts are on the rumored Trump indictment and if you have any role in it um, if charges are brought on him, will you have any role in extradition to New York? Thank so you. I've seen rumors swirl. I have not seen any facts uh, yet, and so I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know this. The, the Manhattan district attorney is a Soros-funded prosecutor. And so he, like other Soros-funded prosecutors, they weaponize their office to impose a political agenda on society at the expense of the rule of law and public safety. He has downgraded over 50% of the felonies to misdemeanors. He says he doesn't want to even have jail time for the vast, vast majority of crimes. And what we've seen in Manhattan is we've seen the, sky, the, the crime rate go up and we've seen citizens become less safe. And so 
you're talking about this situation with, and look, I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to, to secure silence over some type of alleged affair. I just, I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is that if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction, and he chooses to go back, back many, many years ago uh, to try to use something about porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office. And, uh, and you heard the laughter when he uh, said, I don't know what it goes into paying hush money to uh, a uh, porn star for an alleged uh, affair. You could hear the laughter. He didn't crack a smile at all. He just he kept deadpan in that. But mm-hmm. if you want to know when the first uh, uh, attack from the unofficial DeSantis campaign went after Donald Trump, that was it. Even though he went after Bragg, and it was interesting to read some of the commentary. And it's, I guess it's true. He went after Bragg and he went after Trump at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. you know the 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 you know Trump was not he was just he just went he was not happy and mm-hmm. uh, neither, neither was his family for DeSantis's uh, uh, you know uh, comments even though uh, technically correct <laughs> hmm. uh, politically it was the it was the first bomb thrown by the unofficial DeSantis campaign yeah yeah. Um... You got to watch that southpaw, you know. It's just when you, you're watching one one hand, and then all of a sudden, boom. Uh, but you know, it will be interesting to see how it does pan out because uh, it's everybody sees Bragg's cases for what it is. Uh, it's garbage, and then you add the Costello uh, testimony to the grand jury from Monday. And it's garbage that's been burned down to nothing. And I guess we'll see where it goes. Um, By the way, it sounds like Ron DeSantis is running. (laughs) If anybody has any questions, I don't know why you would take a jab otherwise. But, yeah, I think that it's something that um, maybe DeSantis knows like a lot of people know. And who knows? My question was, is Bragg being told by other Democrats that if you go forward with this in, this particular indictment, then you give a lot of leverage to him. And look what the, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, you know, the fundraising in the two weeks after that, was huge for Trump. Uh, if that happened, you know, with the indictment from from Bragg, then you can expect that it's going to leverage him, and everybody knows that. But I still have to wonder if Bragg's been told if he's being encouraged by Democrats. Don't go down this road. You got a weak case; it's going to fall apart. You're going to make everybody look bad. Well, you think about it because, again, a grand jury is not a, you know, is not the trial. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and you bring in good lawyers. You can, you can, 
you can sit there and you can pound on Michael Cohen in cross-examination. Mm-hmm. I mean, just absolutely pound him. And Costello came forward, you know, on his, he doesn't need to come forward. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in it on on him. Yeah, he gets he, nothing. He, he, I mean, either way, I mean, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing. You know, there's no advantage for him to come forward except extreme criticism. Now, the interesting thing is, and maybe there will be some criticism from Costello, but normally, knowing that he was going to testify, you would expect that that would appear. And I didn't see any, except from oh, Cohen. Oh, an attack on Costello, Co- you mean. Yeah. A, a, attack on Costello. Now, yeah. Cohen did. Yeah. Cohen said, no, yeah, well, he's lying. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you look at who has, who doesn't have credibility, and Michael Cohen does not have credibility. And do you really... You know, I'm I'm not in the law profession, but after yesterday, because I, again, I don't know what none of us know yet what Bragg has. It's mm-hmm. just look, this is the case. This is all he can have. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there isn't going to be uh, there isn't going to be because of the Stormy Daniels case, probably that this is the evidence that Trump colluded with the Russians and it's treason, and so we're going after Trump for treason. The charges are limited based on the events that we know of what he is looking at, which is Stormy Daniels. And that's why they say, well, this is the only thing that's out there, which is why you've got so many analysts predicting what, what Bragg is is looking at. Well, Cohen is your strongest witness. Cohen is the guy. And you've got somebody who comes forward as legal aid and presses and said, I want it. Now, what would be interesting is he said Bragg was not interested in what he had to say, but he told them anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, the now, grand jury it, had to agree to hear him. Well, this is the whole case. Can he? Is this like a? Is this like a court of? Is this? I don't. It's not. The, we know it's not a court of law. In in a grand jury proceeding in New York, if the prosecutors can he just say yes or no answers, or can the grand jury say we want to hear more? No, I think the I grand, grand jury, grand jury makes could, that the grand jury four person can say we want to hear yeah, more. No, they, tell us what you think. No, they're. There, that's exactly how you know it's. If the grand jury can turn Costello away, then certainly they have the power to say, "No, we want to hear everything he has to say." Which is interesting because it makes you wonder if the grand jury's looking at this and saying, "Yeah, this is weak," or maybe not. Maybe they were. Fully on board and, oh, man, this looks bad on Trump. And then all of a sudden, wait a minute, we've got somebody here who can counter everything that Cohen is saying. And it's somebody who was on, who was at that time on the inside. This is so bizarre because in my mind, I keep thinking I'm missing something here. Mm -hmm. You know, Bragg can't be bringing this forward. There has to be something that we're missing. And maybe we're not. But it's just for me, I just I. It is so weak. And after yesterday and even two days ago when I saw what Bragg was going to, you know, what he claimed he was going to say, mm-hmm. I went, well, this is really bad. And then after, you know, his uh, press conference yesterday and then being on, you know, Tucker Carlson and, you know, laying it out, you know, here's what's going on. You're like, wow, this is really the public relations on this. I don't know what it's inside the grand jury room, but the public relations on this when MSNBC comes out. You know, a morning Joe yesterday, even before we knew of the Costello testimony, 
and they were stating, oh, this is really weak. Yeah, this is really weak. This is really weak. This is mm-hmm. really weak. Mm-hmm. And we said across the board, you don't see really any except for the, the early response from Democrats, which was, no one's above the law. Okay, well, what are the mm-hmm. actual legal a- aspects of the case? Once you get to the legal aspects of the case, there's nobody out there saying this is a strong case. Nobody. No. Everybody's no. like, what is he really doing? And then after Costello yesterday, I'm thinking, I'm why am I thinking that the whole thing is has just blown to pieces and nobody else out there is saying it? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm missing something here. What am I missing? I've had that thought for the last 48 hours almost, and it keeps growing, you know, stronger and stronger. What am I missing here? What is everybody missing here? Because it just doesn't make any sense. The case is so damn weak. Well, what is it that would, what event keeps it within the statute of limitations? That's another great question. I don't know. Because there had to be something that, some action by Trump himself, Within the last five years on the federal crime and two years on the New York state crime. And this would have happened in 2016, so 2021. Right. Would be the, would on be, the federal crime, would, federal be the, crime right. would be the run out on that. And so what would have happened, it, it would have happened, had to have happened sometime by the end of 2018. To qualify right. still under the federal right. statute of limitation, and was Trump talking to Co- did Trump talk to Cohen, and then they said that's a continuation of a conspiracy, even though there's no conspiracy charge from what we know. Would any or is Bragg interpreting something? I mean, everything is such a stretch here. Is he interpreting one piece of communication as a continuation of said crime? Or is Bragg interpreting the fact that, Uh, well, wait a minute, on the federal elections crime, uh, then he is, and he ran for re-election in 2020, it applies to 2020 election cycle. So therefore, (laughs) therefore, the statute is 2025 before it runs out. (laughs) I don't think he can win that, but it's interesting. I mean, I, I if, if that he's was trying great. to say because yeah, what is the whole case on the whole Stormy Daniels thing? That it was a essentially, it was something that must be reported as a benefit, an expenditure of the campaign itself. So if it applied to twenty sixteen, then it must that apply benefit to also applies to twenty twenty. It's interesting. I mean, I'd laugh because it was, you did some thinking there. Well, because if they're <laughs> saying that that benefit was to make sure that he got elected, that it wasn't personal in nature, um, that it was about him getting elected, then it had to apply to him getting reelected. Then why wouldn't the misdemeanor apply it by that same cause? And you go with the misdemeanor and you get him on the misdemeanor. Well, that's, you mean the state crime? The state, the yeah, the 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 initial state crime, the Mister, because they're both state crimes. The the uh, the first one, the second degree, is the uh, is uh, the misdemeanor. The first degree is when you combine it with the federal crime, because the 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 state crime uh, is either, either second degree or first degree is business fraud. 
Right. And but the first degree is based on the fact that you did it in order to your your intent was to do that to break another law, which is the federal campaign finance law, which gets you to the felony. Well, and if you applied my theory there that it applied to the second election cycle, then your time would have been up November of 2022. 22. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So that would have been the (laughs) end of that statute. I like the way you think. <laughs> well, I mean, which means it's over, which means that crime right, doesn't that, Right, so it, ha- so it still have to be the felony. Right? Right, right, yeah. Well, the fact that Trump has announced for 2024, would that continue? The- <laughs> Was it? Hold on a second. And he announced, when did he announce? November 15th. Yes. Which would still be outside that two years. Okay, be outside. But, uh, be outside. Yeah. But would it be <laughs> renewed at that point because it applied to the new election? No, probably not. But it, <laughs> I, it, listen, we're not the ones that, that are stretching here. Ask Bragg what the rules oh, are. What the hell do I know? Yeah, then it's good though. I like no. I like that thought process. Yeah. I do like it. I mean, yeah. it's like uh, it's the only thing I can see. <laughs> Some lawyers going, mm, "That was good." Eight six six ninety red eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley. I'm Gary McNamara, H six six ninety Red Eye. Hey, that high school football coach that was fired for praying after uh, games, given a two million dollar settlement. Wow! And reinstated back as coach. All right. Oh, we'll get to that uh, 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 story. We touched on this yesterday, but more stories out yesterday also about uh, Newsom in California hmm. under pressure to take executive action on reparations. Right. What's taking him so long? (laughs) What is taking him so long? And and what about the lawmakers there in California, the state lawmakers? Why aren't you getting it done? Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you uh, wish. We're going to move on to something else, but it was just interesting here because we're, uh, we were in the, the first hour uh, discussing uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, DA's, the district attorney of, uh, of, of uh, New York, um, uh, Bragg, and... Uh, the the alleged pending indictment coming up 
on uh, on on Trump, and we just really over the last forty eight hours, you know, it's when the 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 Costello um, uh, situation uh, came up, and uh, he was a, a aide, uh, he was a, the legal aide or the legal advisor uh, to uh, Michael Cohen, who has come forward and said Trump didn't know, Trump right. didn't know, Trump did not know about the money, and you were just telling me some of the other things that that uh, he had said that Cohen actually told him that Trump didn't know. Yeah, um, and this from NBC News. Costello told reporters that when he spoke to Cohen in 2018, Cohen said that he'd made the payments on his own, that Cohen made the payments on his own, and that it was his idea, not Trump's. Uh, the quote from Costello to the media, quote, Michael Cohen did this on his own, end quote. I said, also in quotations, I said, why would you do that? Because I wanted to keep this a secret. Cohen basically saying that to Costello. I wanted to keep this a secret, even secret from my own wife. I didn't want Melania Trump to know. I didn't want my wife to know. Again, that's according to Costello. And, and also the allegation that he took a loan out on his home to pay the 130000 And then build Trump. And then he built Trump and basically, you know, built it as a, and, uh, as a, a you know, and it was, it was uh, monthly installments, which is how you build a retainer. So, or build or maintain a retainer. And so that's the claim by Costello, is that Trump didn't know. I wondered this from the beginning. Is it possible that the payoff happened of $130,000? Here's a guy who's worth billions. Now, his net worth varies depending on who you ask, but he's worth billions, $130,000. While it's a lot of money, even for a guy like that, it's... It's it's not as much as it is for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you look at that, then, I mean, even his own lawyer, uh, according to these allegations here, uh, had to get a mortgage on his home in order to pay that directly to uh, Stormy Daniels, the $130,000. Well, all right. Um, got a, I've got a lot of questions, but it if... Costello is being truthful. Number one, the question would be, why would he come forward? Now, he has represented uh, Giuliani and Steve Bannon. Uh, You could say this guy is squarely in Trump's corner. Mm -hmm. You could also say that, and and he did say something to uh, to the media to the extent of something like, well, look, if they've got something on the guy, then they've got something, right, on Trump. Then that's one thing, you know. But Cohen isn't being truthful, is his claim. So why would Costello come forward? Well, he doesn't have anything to gain here. I mean, I guess you could argue 
well, maybe he's going to be, you know, there's Rewarded a promise. later on. Yeah, maybe there's a promise that he could be hired by Trump, you know, down the road, whatever. Um, so then you get into the, okay, but you're going to risk everything based on this. When you don't really have to do this, this case is already weak. If you're the Trump team, do you need this? Well, I don't know. I guess you'd have to ask his lawyers if they believe they need this to defeat Bragg. I don't believe they need Costello's testimony to to defeat Bragg. I think it's a weak case to begin with. But I'm not the one with, uh, you know, all of this in play. I'm not the one being targeted by Bragg yet. So the entire thing... (laughs) Is now, uh, as far as I know, yet. Uh, but it, it, they, I won't let them take you from Texas, well, Eric. Th- thank you. No, no extradition. No extradition from Texas. So we will protect you exactly. So you know, then it, it, you ask yourself, why? Why would Costello? Because he seemingly was proactive in this. According from what we can piece together, he's the one that you know, sees Cohen on TV and he's like, no, no, no. He hears about Bragg's case. Um, he sent some things, uh, some documents um, uh, that he thought were helpful, uh, exculpatory in nature, and then also sent some documents to the Trump team. And then at some point, Trump's team uh, reached out to the grand jury and requested that a witness uh, be heard that could provide exculpatory evidence. And the grand jury in the state of New York, uh, you get to do that if you're being targeted. But the grand jury has to agree to hear that. And they did, which is also interesting. Makes you wonder how much well, they believe in Bragg's case. But then, you know, so so the question would be, based on everything we know that Cohen has already been charged with, and the things that, you know, based on those charges that he has done, does Costello's testimony seem like out of the clear blue? No, at, not at all. What I, the other thing I thought was interesting was the fact that, remember, Costello said he went to them and they actually asked them. He asked the, the DA. Uh, has you know uh, do you have the do you have the evidence that or the do you have the papers that uh, Michael Cohen waived uh, attorney client privilege cuz technically Costello was an attorney for yeah, him right. and they said yes now Cohen is screaming that Costello shouldn't have been able to testify because of of the attorney client privilege with with Cohen and he's screaming that he Cohen screaming he didn't have it He's held up the paper and he has stated that the DA, you know, also under, you know, is under the clear understanding that there is no attorney client privilege anymore because Cohen waived it. The DA seemed to agree with it because he was allowed to testify. Well, if Cohen is clearly lying about that and you have, if you catch somebody in one lie pertaining to the case you're talking about and you've got the signed document there as, Costello says he does, you've just totally destroyed the credibility in a trial against 
well, not just the trial, but even, uh, I don't know if it came up in the grand jury, but in the trial, you could use that to show that the witness, Cohen, is, if he lied about this, he'll lie about anything. Yeah. And, and I, so in his, in the capacity that he served with Cohen, Costello, as an aide, he was, he's a lawyer, but he's, he's an aide. You're serving the client. And if the lead attorney waves attorney client privilege between himself and, and the client, then does that not clear? I guess that clears Costello to, to testify openly if, right. if the lead attorney is going to do that. Because the privilege is not between Costello and Cohen. It is between Costello, uh, the, the law firm, basically, and Trump. The, the lead attorney, Cohen, and Trump. That's where the privilege lies. And if that's waived, that's why Costello wanted oh, okay. to All see right. that. Right. He wanted to know that that had been waived. So does he have the right, is he open to, right. to talk about it? Okay. Uh, those items that were right. okay. that, yes. that uh, involved the client's case or cases. So No, it's important to clarify where the attorney-client privilege is. Right. So, okay. so I don't see, again... I don't see why Costello, I mean, again, the promise of uh, some kind of, you know, future in the Trump organization or something. Um, but aside from that, is that an, is that enough for this kind of move when the case is weak already? I think this came in, I think he was, and, and I could be wrong because we don't know the makeup of the grand jury. We don't know what they're thinking we don't know what they've seen and heard but it really sounds like he came in with a flamethrower and torched what little of a case Bragg had to the ground and that's what it seems like if you look at that because again there is no other motive here for for Costello to come in because as far as I know Costello has not been uh disbarred like Cohen you know, Cohen, of course, gave all that up, but he he would risk his entire law career if he were to come forward and lie to a grand jury. Right. I mean, he would risk and, everything. And that's what it comes down to. It comes down to the credibility of witnesses where Cohen has little credibility to begin with. Because his... So, so, his and, and that's my whole yeah, point. If he's lying, right. if he's lying, if... if Costello saying he's lying about attorney-client privilege. Well, he's lying about that. Right. Well, that's you know that's key to the case that and shows okay this guy will lie. Right. And and so I just like I said the last forty-eight hours, I've been there's this thing in my head saying what am I missing? What am I missing? Because mm-hmm. this seems this seems just such a horrendous thing for any DA to bring forward. You just say well you there's got to be something else. Yeah, because you yeah. can't bring this forward. You just you can't bring it forward. Then I remember, well, they're on the crazy left. They do crazy things. But right. still, there's that one thing, that one part of my mind saying I, there's got to be something missing because this is just so bizarre. Right. And, yeah, I and, mean, and, it and, is. and not just what we're talking about here, but everything along this, you know, the the entire case. That mm-hmm. well, okay, that uh, it, so they're going to go after. This is a low-level felony because uh, he committed he committed the business fraud in order to violate 
a federal uh, uh, law, which is a violation and a fine of a campaign finance law. Mm-hmm. But the FEC wouldn't fine Trump or the FCC dropped the case and didn't call what Trump did, uh, you know, uh, uh, election financing. Right. Right. So you don't. So and, and and even then I just said, well, that doesn't make sense. Now, with everything on top of it, I'm still saying to myself, what does he have? Because none of this makes any sense at all from what we know right now. If what we know right now is what we know and it's the truth, <laughs> if what we know is what we know mm. uh, and it is what he has. This thing's going to blow up big time. Yeah. It, yeah, it's a complete implosion. He doesn't know that? Then again, as I said, this is the guy who said, what we're going to do to uh, make people safer is the fact that uh, I'm going to make sure that uh, people who commit armed robbery, as long as they don't shoot the gun, well, then we won't charge them with a felony. Right. If they have the gun, fine. If they don't shoot the gun... We won't charge them with the felony. Right. I mean, that's how. Now, that's insanity to begin with. When you think about it, what DA? Think about this. Any DA saying that five years ago? Well, think about the uh, the 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 couple who were both uh, attorneys who stepped out on their porch with guns because violent protesters were coming into their neighborhood. You brandished a gun. How dare you? Oh, but if you go to New York City. And use that in the commission of a uh, robbery, then Bragg at one time was promoting you shouldn't be charged with a felony. Right. You know, those it, it, it's it, it's so it is so clear here. I, I do wonder if if Costello really changed everything here in the approach, because my question is. Why did the grand jury agree to that? They seemed yeah. Yeah. they seemed okay with hearing his testimony they didn't seem okay they had to have approved it they can dis. they can say no we don't want to hear it which means they approved it which, which means they wanted to hear it yeah just and i wonder if bragg is looking at this going okay everything everything that i just had is just down the drain because of costello a guy why would you risk your entire career Cohen doesn't have one. No, he doesn't. He can't be a lawyer again. He's done, and he's already been convicted. So he's really got nothing to lose. He's doing this out of spite. Costello has everything to lose, but he did it anyway. 866-90-RED-EYE. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. 
Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Problem uh, is with this, now that the uh, the mainstream media understands that it's a weak case, uh, <laughs> uh, I think, uh, you know, one of the, uh, you know, uh, politically one of the things is uh, the thought process now moves to Biden because the influence peddling thing, people now, this thing's just going to keep going stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger, mm. and the evidence is bad. You know, and now everybody realizes when the president came out the other day and said, not true. It's like, well, yeah, you've already your family's already admitted it's true. Yeah. Hunter's right. already admitted it's true. And mm-hmm. so when you see the things that are coming out and uh, it seems like every single day the Republicans are uh, bringing out, OK, not only were there Chinese payments, but look at these Russian payments from the oligarchs. The only ones that weren't sanctioned by the Biden administration. You start tying those things together, saying, Why? You know, uh, when it comes to uh, China, does the president do this, 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 and this? Why with Russia and these oligarchs, does he do this, 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 and this? And all you have to do politically, this isn't about the substance of it. I mean, the the substance of it relates to the politics of it, Mm. but I'm just talking about the politics for a moment. That's why you can't win it. You can't win influence peddling. Right. You can't. Right. I mean, you have Schumer. I don't know why the Republicans are going after him. Well, the polls showed the American public understands why the Republicans are going after him. Yeah. yeah. Because there's a suspicion the family is dirty and Biden is dirty and has been taking, uh, you know, been uh, taking, uh, uh, you know, payments from foreign governments and entities related, related uh, and tied to foreign totalitarian governments. And the American public doesn't like it. You can't win that one politically. No, you can't. Because you cannot. We now know the payments happen. And so the next question is very simple. Why? What did the Bidens do for that money? Or does China and the Russian oligarchs just like the Biden family, (laughs) so they give them money for nothing? Out of the goodness of their Their hearts. hearts. Yes. Consider yourself canceled if you don't listen nightly. Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harney and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Okay, latest poll. Latest media poll. All right. 
Gallup conducted a survey of Americans on their level of confidence in the trustworthiness and benevolence of the American media. Benevolence? Uh, The big takeaways from the study hmm. are that 23% of Americans believe most national news organizations care about the best interests of their readers, viewers, and listeners. We're the station that cares. 50% feel most national news organizations intend to mislead, misinform, misinform, or persuade the public. Hmm. It's interesting that uh, you have 23% that believe most national news organizations care about the best interests of their readers, viewers, and listeners. Well, then again, that does make sense. Because if you put it, for example, if you if you like a if you're a conservative and like a particular conservative network, you're going to say, okay, I think they care about me because they're promoting my values. Yeah, that they may not. It you know, right. for a conservative, it may not be like on a personal level, but they care about the well being, the, the the values that I care about, which is, of course, um, directly relevant to the well being of of me. By the way, it's all about me. Uh, media, uh, uh, let me see. The uh, media trust continues to vary along predictable lines. Democrats express significantly more trust in news organizations than Republicans. Among Republicans, trust in news continues to decline. New data that more independents today report distrusting news than ever previously reported. Hmm. Yet trust in local news organizations remains higher than trust in national news. Well, that's because it's closer to the people. Yeah, local news is. Yeah, you, you, know, you, you kind of you, you you really have to get it right, and there's really not room for. Not that there isn't bias, but right. there there isn't. They don't. They don't have their own primetime opinionated shows and everything else they have their you know news shows in the out in the morning and then they're you know if they still have a noon time and then what five six and ten that's, yeah they pretty much have to well, get everything in and 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 when you think about it you know for, for example when we've had the hail you know when you talk about news media and television media mm-hmm. you know most likely that you know you're watching the you know the uh, uh, the meteorologist and then the spotters out there yeah and yeah, so at yeah. that particular point i mean they're covering right, news right, yeah. they're covering news that that concerns you immediately so yeah you're you you would sit there and say yeah they care about us because look at the guy standing out in the hail <laughs> yeah, right right yeah and they care about us because they cover our local sports teams yeah exactly right? yeah you know so the when you when you look and and when you look at the morning shows uh, you know, that are out there, uh, I, whenever I turn it on, and that isn't often, but whenever I turn it on, it's weather and it's weather and traffic. They do the news, yeah. but you're saying, okay, what's Breaking the traffic? News, weather and traffic. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, it's the and, stories from, from overnight and a lot of it does carry overnight, but there's so much that breaks, 
you know, uh, early in the day, then then they they cover that. And I don't spend a lot of time in front of television. But when the weather is going on, I, you know, I tune in to our flagship station. And then I also have uh, local TV on. I want to see what's going on on the radar and what's, you know, what they know. So, yeah, it, it is a different level of trust because they're doing something different. Uh, it, again, yeah. not that there isn't bias because over the years, it's, I think it's, I've seen a number of reporters who are clearly biased at the local level, but it's the question is overall as a news organization, are they doing the work they're supposed to be doing? Yeah. I mean, the whole idea of, well, do they care about me? Well, they, they care about reporting the news and the weather and the traffic. I mean, right. You know, I mean, they're they're They serve their viewers and or listeners in that respect, in, in the things that immediately affect them, they're right. You know, it's, yeah. it's it's you know, if you go to a national news network, the bias sometimes is so obvious yeah. on on those national issues where you don't get the same thing normally locally. Well, that's that's just, I just, what I love doing, and you and I have talked about this, um, especially in recent years, is that you can go to the YouTube channels of local news stations all over the country and kind of get their reporting, their take on a story that could be a national story based in their town. Uh, I did that quite a bit uh, and do that quite a bit for things like hurricanes in Florida or uh, the Idaho murders. Uh, Those things, you know, I thought, you know, I was very curious as to what was going on on the ground, what the locals were seeing and saying and what the local news stations were reporting and how they covered it. To me, that's always fascinating because of what we do. But also, I think, and, and I do this when I travel, I love to turn on the news and, and the local news and and see, okay, what is it? Because they have to gauge what's important to their viewers. They have to gauge, you know, all right, I'm going to be in um, Louisville next week. And it's all going to be about you know uh college basketball and then the start of the countdown to the derby (laughs) but when i go to a town i'm always curious uh i tune in and and see what's going on and and how they're covering it but now with so many stories uh out there it's so easy because you can go to their youtube channel and you can get their reports from the, their latest newscast and see, right. okay, what is, you know, what is their take on this? Uh, the train derailment was another one where you're getting more of a local take on it. Uh, we did this during the Justice Smollett thing. You saw that the reporters there in the Chicago area, it was actually because, I think, of the work done locally yeah, you're right. by those reporters. Yep that that whole thing started to implode and the truth came out. You know, I I, I also think that when it comes to, you know, especially when talking about television news, you know, newspapers are having, you know, they're just having horrible troubles right now. So I don't know if when you when you talk about 
uh, you know, local news, whether most people are thinking newspaper anymore mm, or whether yeah. it's more when they say local news, mm-hmm. it might be television or it might be radio that they're looking at. But when you look at television news, for example, local television news, I think there's a little bit of a paranoia about the fact that, look, the national media can, you know, uh, segment the audience. You know, mm-hmm. they can do it from a national and still be be profitable we can't do that as a television station and so what do you do you you cover the things that immediately affect people which is the the traffic the weather sports mm-hmm. and events that are going on around town mm-hmm. and from a more populist way if you have a reporter out there that's an investigative reporter and they're few and far between now, especially yeah, in the media, yeah. a lot of medium and small markets. They don't have right, them. Right. But if they do, then they investigate a lot of things from the, you know, we care about you and it's your dollar. You keep the politics out of it. You were trying to bring honesty to government and right, you bring it yeah. up that way. You're not getting on you're not getting on the air, for example, and say, Today we're going to talk about Keynesian economics versus capitalism. Yeah. Right. You know, and 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 uh, I, but uh, I will tell you this: I was, you know, looking at the local news, a lot of stories on what's going on. But I also think because I also watched one thing where they brought on people to talk about, you know, to talk about the problem in, in Portland. It was one of like the local news shows, mm-hmm. and there were three people that were on: one who did polling, another business person, and and someone else uh, that definitely represented, you know, more business interest and the and the pollster about where the public was, you know, when they were talking about what it needs to be done about Portland. Mm. Well, we need to bring business back. I mean, the answers were completely and totally generic. Nobody had the guts to say the homelessness problem and the crime problem sucks right. and we have to stop it. Yeah. And so you get into some of the the programs yeah. there and we're going to, you know, we're going to, and I noticed it uh, and I can't think of the name of the, the, the show in Portland, but it was like one of the public service ones. I forgot which station it was too, but I watched mm. it the other day and I went, Wow, that's completely useless. Mm. You know, they did say, well, the people, it was like 75% of people are afraid to go downtown Portland, you know, during the, you know, during the, at night, mm. 50% during the day, 75% at night. And they said, mm. that's a problem. But nowhere did they really focus and say the drug problem, the homelessness problem, the crime problem, we have to find a cure to that. In fact, right. the only guy that made any that made a specific thing of how to solve the problem, which wasn't gobbledygook, was we need to give incentives for business to come down. And he was the guy, he was the business guy that yeah. basically you need to subsidize businesses to come down here because they're not going to come down. Yeah, and, but, yeah, right. And, but, but again, it's to the point where you're a local station. Can you sit there and say, hey, the left sucks here? Yeah, right. In Portland? No, you can't yeah, do it. Right. So you sort of, you cover these things, but you really don't truly really cover them. That's what I got out of that program yeah. that I watched the other day. It was yeah. on YouTube. Mm. Yeah. And it was right. from the last, it was like in the last month mm. that they ran that. But mm. everybody knows what it is. Everybody in Portland knows what it is. Everybody's saying it until the camera's rolling. Yeah. Well, the citizens will say it. It's when they bring the experts on. Yeah. Okay. Right. Who can't we offend? Right. Well, yeah. We can't offend liberals. So we have mm-hmm. to just generically talk about. We need to incentivize and bring people back and mm. understand the culture. Said blah 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 blah. Walking blah, on eggshells. Yep. Nobody is saying we need to cure this problem no. now. Well, I'm sure Lars is on radio, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's you know, and 
but it's the same policy that is going to be in play mm-hmm. for our lifetime. It's not. I, I'm convinced it's not going to change. I'm talking about our our friend Lars Larson. Yes, just you know, at KXL, the affiliate that we're on in mm-hmm. uh, in Portland. So, mm-hmm. and and my old stomping grounds. I worked at KXL there. Yeah, but um, it's not going to yeah. change. There's not going to be a political shift to the right in Portland. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Not in our lifetime. Which again, you know, and and that's we've discussed that a lot. And we'll discuss it more, but that I mean, that's that's the problem. We've gotten to the point in this nation where liberalism has finally hit reality. That's what's happened across the board. No, it is. It is on every single major issue. Liberalism has come up against reality. Spending, we we see inflation, uh, the the broken border, the broken open border. border as they wanted, and we see the impact and, there. <clears throat> Energy. Now Spending, to the extent, debt. yeah. yeah. Uh, now th- to the extent that you know you're you're seeing the pushback in on the whole EV thing. Oh well, yeah. We we you know the the activists are saying, well, no, we don't want EVs. We don't want. We shouldn't be ha- driving any cars because net zero is not zero. And then the cost of electricity, it's skyrocketing, and it's. You know, having to charge that car is becoming more and more and more expensive. All these things were things that we've talked about over the years that were bound to come true, and here we are. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. You know, we're talking about the media in general. I saw, I was on YouTube and saw a YouTube clip, and I didn't watch the whole thing. And I'm, I'm going to have to go back and watch it now. And it was Jim Brewer, and it was the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And it was him, you know, doing stand-up, and he just said, oh, man, the news. And he said, how many of you don't pay attention to the news anymore? And the it was huge, the number of people that, you know, big said, you know, we don't. Yeah. But when he said, well, things have been crazy in the news, and we started talking about the Chinese balloon, everybody, let's put it this way, they all say they're not paying attention to the news, but they all knew about the Chinese balloon. Yeah. And he was going in, I think I got a phone call or something, and he started going off on that. Do you ever see his COVID stuff? Uh, Yeah, I've seen some of it, yeah. Oh, I mean, extremely, you know, extremely powerful. Yeah. That he does, yeah. Ex- uh, except he still does look like he's always high. He just looks like he's a higher, older man now. <laughs> he was born looking like he had just smoked a bong, yeah. and he says that all the time in his stand-up comedy. Yeah, I know. I was yeah. no. He what, looks what was high. it? What was the the movie he was in? The higher when he was, everybody was high. And he's, uh, and yeah, he, I don't he, remember the name said, of it, but yeah. He said, yeah, you know, it's, it, he's, he understands. I goes, I know, I always look high. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. My natural state. His eyes just naturally yeah. look that way. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll have to watch the rest of it. But yeah. the majority of the audience at least want it to be known. We don't pay attention to the media, but. Yeah, the viral stories they get. Yeah.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. When we were just talking about, you know, the end of last hour, I realized one of the narratives we started a little while back, and I can't remember exactly when we did, was the fact that, and we had mentioned it the last part of last hour, that we're now at a point where liberalism is, has come up against the reality of has liberalism and liberal ideas have hit reality. And, and, it's, and it's the, the agenda is no longer in the abstract. Right. And we've talked about this before where liberalism succeeded in the abstract. Uh, the world is going to end. Therefore you need to, uh, you need to, uh, we need as a society to be on solar and wind completely. Oh, mm-hmm. it sounds great. Yeah. We won't think about the fact that it's impossible to do. Right. Until prices start going up and then people are concerned about it. Mm-hmm. And when you look right now, because the, the, the small things in the, um, in the context of, of history is, you know, the, the Trump indictment. I mean, it may go down in history because he'll be indicted as the first president you know, if it happens, we've talked about what a poor case it is, it'll be huge in that way. But in in the impact of where we're going as a society on the issues, I think the thing that is the strongest uh, is the fact that and, and will be the bit that is the biggest enemy of Democrats and liberalism is the fact that all of their ideas have buttressed up right against reality and you look at the border well now people are feeling the effects of the border because of you know uh that uh migrants and illegal immigrants are all over the united states Mm -hmm. and and being sent there and all of a sudden it's like affecting people uh debt nobody cared about the debt we were fine being irresponsible of the liberal mindset that we can spend as much as we want and it's not going to have any effect. Uh, frankly, I didn't expect to hit it to for it to hit so hard. It was predicted, but still, I was surprised how hard it hit inflation. The debt that we were involved in. Now, when you look at the fact of somebody uh, contacted me yesterday and and said, "Do you believe that the the Fed policy?" Uh, to buy its own debt, you know, help cause inflation. Well, yeah, because <laughs> they had a lowest, they had to manipulate the interest rates to nothing, mm-hmm. uh, and still they couldn't sell all the debt. Mm-hmm. And so we started printing money. We weren't producing wealth. We weren't producing more durable goods and services. We were we were simply printing money to buy our own debt. Well, that with the interest rate, of course, that's going to have an inflation problem down the road. And now we, you know, see that as well as the, the spending, but now we see it. And how do we get out of it? Be interesting to see, is it tomorrow where the fed 
has a meeting? Is it tomorrow? Uh, yeah, the, it, the the meeting starts today, and then today? Wednesday okay. will be the press conference. Uh, we won't hear anything mm-hmm. until tomorrow afternoon. But the thing that hurts, you know, and one of the reasons, because I, I brought up Trump before, one of the reasons that Democrats want to highlight Trump is because they believe that's the only thing that they have to win. And, yep. you know, I don't think that's over-the-top rhetoric at all. It's it's the reality. They can't win on any issue. And they have a bumbling idiot as the leader of their party in, Trump, in, uh, in uh, Biden. Mm-hmm. And it's just the reality of where the Democrats are. But you look at it all across the board on every single major issue. Energy. Well, we can be solar and we can be wind. And now you see all the operators of grids across the country going we can't do this we can't do this yeah this is ridiculous you and i brought up the story the other day about uh evs uh, about electricity prices now and inflation now deterring people from getting evs and the belief that electricity is going to go up because of what the democrats are doing all of a sudden it's like oh wow oh okay well so you're forcing us to have the electric vehicle, and then you're going to skyrocket it, and then we'll get to the point where California, where we can't produce electricity, and you'll tell us to turn off our cars. Hmm. And yeah. those things are now, I mean, everything. I saw an article yesterday that EVs, when they get in a collision, they can't really repair the batteries and stuff, so the co- they just total these electric vehicles if there's minor damage yeah. to cars. Yeah, I saw that. And, well, that's going to drive up insurance rates, is it not? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Dr- drastically yeah that and that even a minor what would up until now be considered a minor accident could total the car people are now asking the question we saw the polling the other day well we've been being sold this global warming for 40 years now real mm-hmm. real hard they've been pushing this that the world's going to come to an end uh and well yeah they, they sent a child out to do their bidding they were they were worshiping a child who knows nothing about science, and now, according to the polls, now people are saying, "Okay, now you're just manipulating it in order to try to control us." That was the interesting thing about that whole climate change was the a number of people that felt that they were being lied to, and that the the climate change movement was about power and control, mm-hmm. and not actually. Uh, and, and power and control means going after your money, and it wasn't actually about saving the world. Well, that's going to happen when they tell you a hundred times that the world's going to end. And then the story came out. Greta had a pull her doomsday tweet that the world was ending this June. Well, how long can you do that before the public eventually wakes up? And when do they wake up? When it starts affecting them in the wallet or the pocketbook. And that's what's happening uh, right now with, uh, you know, with, uh, with inflation. You know, we've been sold a bull of goods, but we bought. We we bought it. Oh, they sold us something that we shouldn't have bought, but you did buy it. And everything that we face today, every major issue that we face today is because of the people that we here in the United States voted in to lead us. Yeah. And we didn't fight hard enough against what was going on. We knew this was going to happen. We knew it. I was... When I was a talk show host in 89, we would bring these things up about where our society would go. Oh, you guys are just playing the whole, the old slippery slope. There's no slippery slope anymore, is there? Because we're there on so many of the issues. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it all sounds great and noble in the abstract. 
well, we'll just power the world off of the sun and the wind. That the borders should be open, that everybody should come here and just live the American dream. We face really interesting times right now because if there's ever going to be change, this is this is when it's going to happen. When people's lives are actually affected by what government does. And I'm trying to think in 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 my lifetime, you know, you think about the you know the inflation that we had back in the 70s and it was big. But now we have it, but we also have the ability of instant communications where people actually know. The media can't hide anything from the public anymore because of the because of the Internet, which, again, you see that there's a recognition from Democrats and liberals that you can't hide the truth, which is why the Democrats and the liberals are trying to do what? Trying to censor the Internet, trying to censor social media. Because they can't hide it anymore. And one of the reasons they're going after Trump. Because why would you spend any time on Trump? Why would you do that? Because you know you don't have anything else to sell the American public anymore. And hatred is always a great thing to sell. Except every single day when people feel the consequences of your political action And that's what's happening today. And I don't know where it's going to end. I just know that it's happening slowly. You know, and and, and how no, and these things change. There are things that happen that blew everybody away. You know, I remember the the fall of the Berlin Wall. We we were dumbfounded. We couldn't believe it happened so quickly. Mm -hmm. And again, there's no Berlin Wall here. (laughs) But, and and I'm not trying to relate us to a, a, a communist society at all. That's not my point. My point is societies can change quickly when you as an individual are affected by it each and every day. Will that turn happen? I believe it will. How fast? I don't know. But I don't know anything that changes people as quickly as, and we talked about this before, about a bad economy versus inflation. Inflation is worse than a bad economy based on the fact that we have high unemployment because in high unemployment, you may have it may be terrible. 10 to 15% are laid off and it's horrible, but still 85% of the people that want to work are working. Inflation affects everybody who is working. And it's even worse because there's even a greater sense of hopelessness because you're working one job, you've taken another part-time job, and it's still eating into everything that you do. You want hopelessness? Hopelessness is when you're employed And you can't live the dreams or the goals that you have. And that's what's happening right now in the United States because of it. And the Democrats certainly don't have any solution for it. Except, well, we should spend more money and bail everybody out, which created the problem to begin with. I I heard somebody talking the other day, and it was interesting in how they lined it out. That... Five years ago, she and her husband, and they're young, but they lined out their budget. And they were living within their budget. And now it's far outside their budget, and they haven't changed a thing. 
that every month they come up hundreds of dollars short. That's which, and she was talking about the extra work that, that he's doing and, you know, what he's, he's taken on some part-time work and weekend work and everything else. And so now it's about missing time with, you know, uh, children. It's about missing time together with your family. It is taking, because what it sounded like and, 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 and it really came off as, you know, we did everything that we learned to do that our parents taught us to do growing up. And that was live within your means and budget accordingly. But we didn't learn to deal with inflation, with this kind of inflation. Because you don't. No, you don't. And quite often, especially young families will be in a position where, okay, we got to go where the job is. We got to move to where, and that's going to be the big city, which means inflation is going to be even higher. This is why you're seeing such a migration, huge migration, to states like Florida, Texas, Arizona, and other states. Because how do you do, how do you deal with it? Well, you know, at some point, you know, I said, uh, you know, for those who we've, we've talked about it, for those who can afford to move, you move. But at some point, you can't afford to stay. Yeah. And that's where the, the migration is like, okay, I, I know that for me and my wife early on, we knew. <laughs> if I'm going to be in radio, I'm going to have to work some other jobs too. I'm going to, you know, they're going to have right. to be some things. We're going to have to create our own opportunity. We can't do it in a small town. And so we knew we had to, we had to leave and we did. And now it is, I think you, you could see where that accelerates. Even people that live already live in a, a larger city, look at it and say, yeah, but what am I paying in taxes? What am I paying in rent? Um, uh, do I feel safe here? Is the crime on the rise? And all of these things, these are the realities of liberal policy. This is no longer an abstract. These are real things. Defund the police. Oh, it sounds noble. See, we'll make sure that they no longer have that kind of authority. And then all of a sudden the neighborhoods start going to dirt. All of a sudden, crime is on the rise. Violent crime, you don't feel safe in your own home. Those are the realities that people have to deal with, and the way to deal with them is to get up and move. We'll continue on this narrative next, 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, you know, we, by the way, that article yesterday that uh, I put out from uh, Spiked uh, I, is on my, my Twitter page uh, at Gary Red Eye one All right. And uh, it it sort of is, you know, we've been talking about where we are as a society and, and uh, a nation right now. And that was 
I think, a brilliant article that was written that talked about the thing and talked about the banks and talked about we're being sold an illusion. Mm-hmm. We're not making products anymore. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're selling virtue signaling as a capitalist product mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or attempting to sell it as a capitalist product. It's not a capitalist product, mm-hmm. but they're attempting to sell it in that fashion, right. you know, in the, in the, in, with, through the venture capitalists and everything else. And as he wrote in his column yesterday, as we brought up to you, they're selling you bull soup. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, we, we use soup for everything. Mm-hmm. any word like that but it's it's bs that we're selling mm-hmm. and when does the public finally say enough is enough and so when you think about it what inflation has caused and then you think of covid and people realizing how much government controlled their life and now the results of that the consequences of that the inflation that we're seeing now and government wanting to to uh to to censor and government telling you you know the things you see in the news you can't have a gas stove anymore it's going to cost a lot electricity prices are going up uh, car prices are going to be going up you may not be able to afford a car anymore you can't afford a home anymore and you're working and you talked about young families you're talking about people now that are not just working one job but they're working a job and a half or two jobs to make ends meet and inflation is still killing them and all they see is a government making their life harder and actually causing the problems when does the change happen democrats are holding on to one thing and one thing only right now we believe we can hold on to our power because of donald trump Mm -hmm. that's it yeah there's nothing else they have they don't have one other issue out there right now there's not one issue that favors the democrats right now right and that's where we are. And so the public will react eventually to it. When? How? Still to be seen. It's funny that Chris Rock, of all people, made the comment, said to Democrats, are you guys stupid? Are you trying to get him reelected? Why would you indict him? Chris Rock. Wow. I'm pretty sure the Democrats saw that as a slap in the face. That's well, it's all it Donald Trump is all they have. Tell me one issue that they have the public behind them on. Hmm. When you don't mention Trump, when you mention that if, issue. If you take away their their game of this is racist, that's bigoted, this is and then climate change, what do you have as a party? Oh, let me throw that in, too, with young parents kids sending their kids to school, not trusting what their school is going to be teaching their kids. Critical race theory, the liberal transgender activist movement. Everything seems everything seems insane and everything can seem insane to you if you're making money and you're saving money and you're able to reach your goals. You can sort of ignore it. Mm-hmm. But when you can't reach your goals because of inflation that was caused by the government. And then everything else in your life that comes from government Mm -hmm. is insane and controlling. When does the public finally say we've had enough? Right.
On your smart speaker, say, Play Red Eye Radio. And, if you're really nice, she might. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. So call this little segment that we've had since the top of the hour, you know, where we are right now. Mm. And and so you you see, because of inflation and, and the fact of on the issues, you know, where are we? The, the Democrats have nothing except Donald Trump and whatever's remaining of their uh, it's racist or climate change. It's racist. It's it's the I'll, I'll say it's the racist slash phobic climate change mm-hmm. issues that nobody buys. Nobody, nobody really buys that anymore. You've lost the racism charge. That's gone. Yeah, you you've that that's been used up by Democrats. They've used it now. Oh, I don't know. Since I've been a talk show host 34 years. Mm-hmm. Going on 34 years. Mm-hmm. They've used it and it's not working anymore. You can't sell it. Uh, you did for a little bit. And I really think and I really think part of the problem was the big burn by Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I think that right. was the thing. That was the beginning of the end for the Democrats being able to use racism because they they attempted to intimidate. They successfully intimidated corporations and sports leagues into it. Yeah, and and so it doesn't work. You know, then the phobic comes up. Well, I just saw uh, Wyoming, the nineteenth state, now banned. Uh, males from competing against biological males from competing against biological females. That pushback has started big time. You know, I saw another goalie in the NHL said he's not going to participate in uh, what is it, Pride Night, whatever. Well, yeah, right. Uh, if uh, if you're part of the liberal gay mo- gay transgender movement in this country, <laughs> it's your own fault. Hmm. You should have never. You should have never teamed up with the liberal transgender activist movement to promote misogyny and femophobia. Yeah. And to deny women, you know, their opportunity. And to try to and to try to put take that into a civil rights cause. But you look at that, but everything that's everything that's that's going on right now and then you look at all right, who represents that party? that wholeheartedly believes in everything that we and most Americans believe are wrong, if you look at the polls, based on the specific issues. You have Biden, Kamala Harris. Nobody's really paying attention to Schumer. And nobody even knows who Jeffries is yet. Mm. He may be out there saying stuff, nobody's paying attention to him. And when he does, he's as radical as as, as you can uh, possibly be. Yeah. But you have Biden, and you have Kamala Harris. Um, the the absolute Dan Quayle was a genius. <laughs> you know, because he's always viewed as one of the weaker vice presidents. And yeah, yeah. Probably because of some of the full pause that he made. Potato, potato, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> potato with an O, potato with an E. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that got blown into, you know, way out of proportion, but with Kamala Harris, look, the, here's the thing. Democrats know that both Biden and Harris are useless. They know it. Yeah. 
they know they're completely and totally incompetent to run the country. Democrats know that. That's why 75% of Democrats don't want them to run. And think about it. Who who else is out there? Remember, Newsom initially was said to be he's the guy, but then again they realized, okay, we're selling California against the rest of the country. Do you wish to be and that's a great debate to have. That's a wonderful debate. Well, remember. Would you want do you want to be California, New York, Illinois, or Florida? And 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 there's more. I mean, but I'm just yeah. Florida and Texas. Who well, do you remember, want to be? And there's uh, more besides Florida and Texas. You had uh, the former governor of New York. He was going to be the guy to step in if Biden couldn't make it to the finish line. Remember that? Yeah. And then everything fell out. And look, I I, I don't know where the party is on, on Cuomo. Maybe they try and fold him back in. That would be a horrendous mistake after everything. But who is it, who's it going to be? Because one of the things that you look at with, with uh, a Newsom, is the failure of the whole rock star approach. Because with Newsom, first of all, I don't know that the that the far left really cares about the rock star thing anymore. Because he's wow. just another white guy. You know, that's a great point looking at where we've come since 2008, where the Democrats have come since 2008. Well, because at the end of it, at the end of a two-term presidency, many of them were saying, yeah, but Obama didn't really do anything for us because it's never enough. It doesn't matter what it is. But what they said was he really didn't get much done. And that's a problem. To the extent that Donald Trump won in 2016. And Hillary didn't. You know, when you look at that, think about that. The rock star thing is, not that she was a rock star, but the rock star thing is (laughs) ever. By any measure. <laughs> In my mind, I quickly tried to scan my mind for anybody, any rock singer that reminded me of Hillary. Yeah. I came up a blank. Yep. Nope. <laughs> and so then what do you look at? Well, it has to be somebody who can sell the agenda. Now, I do believe that some of them believe that Newsom would be better than Joe Biden in selling the far left agenda. But hell, I could fake it and be better than Joe Biden selling the far-left agenda. But that's what they want. They want somebody who's radical. I think they look at Newsom and and look at the, you know, the whole, you know, because that's his, his appeal is the rock star. You know, first of all, California. But then beyond that, somebody who could go out and, you know, he's the basically the Hollywood type of, uh, of, um, candidate who can just wave and smile well it has to be more than that it has to be somebody who's radical not that he's not radical he always has been but they don't see him as radical anymore i mean they really don't who was it that oh um 
they said, what did they say? Somebody wasn't far left anymore. Or they, they were, and, and we kind of laughed about it, saying, well, no, they're not far left enough for the far left agenda anymore. But tell me who, what name that we know and the Democratic Party really is. I dare say even Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren still come off as old school <laughs> based on the fact that the party has gone much further left. I'm not saying they're not far left. Right. I'm saying I, yeah, I that know you, I know what you're saying. They yeah. can't they don't want the yeah. old school approach. They don't want the same old people up there trying to sell it. It be AOC or any other member of the squad. Could be. And, I but and, I don't know if their clock has run out. I'm not yeah. convinced that it hasn't. And so those are the things that you have to look at. Well, what issue do they what issue? Again, even even the squad is going back to the old standbys. Yeah. It's still racism and climate change. Right. It doesn't matter if you insert somebody new in there, which is why I think they they liked uh, Newsom because he looked the part. Yeah. And so they're trying to find somebody who look. They're trying to find an actor. But also, we don't want a white male. Right. Well, of course, yes. I mean, that, that would be the problem with a, a, a Newsom. But and, you're right, though. And, I mean, and, other and than he, that. And then, he, would, he would have to bypass Kamala Harris. He, yes. And right. you can't do that. You can't make that move. Well, here's the thing, too. Does do I, I, I this is a question. I'm not a Democrat, so I can't tell you. But do the Democrats feel burned because uh, because uh, uh, the turn happened when uh, the Democrats realized that everybody was too radical to win the presidency? And then Biden, uh, Biden in South Carolina, remember, was the chosen candidate at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And so, boom, he was in. Is there angst in the Democratic Party because that happened and Biden didn't prove himself out now as a horribly... Uh, rated president right now, even by Democrats, now they've actually moved the primaries to start in South Carolina, and they were blunt about it last week. Some Democrats are blunt about it. Yeah. They did it, and now right. they, they actually had some Democrats saying the only reason they moved to South Carolina to start was to protect Biden, and he's horrible. So yeah. Yeah. you you look at that, and I wonder how many Democrats are are actually angry uh, about uh, about that. But right. Uh, yeah, when when you look at where we are today in this nation, you know, on the issues and what party, and this is what has been frustrating, because Eric and I, if you've been a long-time listener to the show, we've been saying this for, I don't know, the longest time. <laughs> I don't know what the longest time is, though, mm-hmm. over a decade at least, mm-hmm. that it's never been easier to uh, uh, promote conservative ideology. And now, more than ever. Because now we're feeling yeah. the consequences yeah. of oh, liberalism. Yeah. Even when yeah. we started saying that, you know, everything was still abstract. Well, if you vote for me, things will be better in the future. If you vote for me, things will be better in the future. Yeah. If you vote for me, I'll vote to raise the minimum wage. Well, no, if you raise the minimum wage, you're going to slow down the economy. Okay, that's all abstract for the future. Right. Debate back and forth. Right. Well, now we know. Now we know that spending, that the left said, ah, no problem. And a couple of years ago, the right didn't. Focus on as much as they had over the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. Well, we now know 
inflation, the interest right. rates, the the Fed manipulation of the dollar, everything, the manipulation of the mortgage market, everything that we see now today, every failure that we have, the bank failures, you name it, everything was caused by government. Right. Every major problem was caused by government. It wasn't a natural disaster. It wasn't because of some foreign country. It's because of us. Yep. And who we put into yep. elective office. Right. No, this didn't happen to us. It, we chose this. Yep. You might not have, but right. the majority of the public did right. across the board. And it's not just about one election. If you think, well, the election was stolen and therefore everything would be perfect. No, it wouldn't be. It makes me wonder if the party has decided, you know, the Democratic Party has decided that it's better to have a puppet in there where they can send their agenda up, you know, the 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 uh, up the chain and have him do all the heavy lifting for them without them having to go through the, you know, the the process of of trying to, you know, put a rock star in or anything else. We'll do everything from down here. You just have the, but the problem is the old Joe Biden would have fit that. The new Joe Biden can't turn around from a podium and tell you where he is. And there's their problem with that. If that is, if that theory does apply. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Joe Manchin upset again. Boy, Biden just isn't pleasing him anymore. Oh, oh that's right. right. We have an election. Oh, he's up for re-election in 24. Yeah. yeah. Time to get angry. Mm. Uh, Biden <laughs> signs a legislation to declassify the coronavirus origins. He had to mm. sign that. Yeah. He had no choice. Yeah. That was... That was unanimous in the house and the senate yeah you had to there's no way you can't i mean there's you you think and by the way add on to that add on to every all the stuff we were told about covid that people know was not true anymore Mm -hmm. is there any confidence that we have a competent government no and remember the imagery of our competent government or our incompetent government is biden and kamala harris yeah the imagery fits the lack of substance that's a problem yeah, and absolutely. so we really have an interesting next year and a half ahead of us. We really, really do uh, uh, to see where our, where our country is headed. It, it's it's bizarre. I I don't know what's going to happen between now and this November, let alone now and next November. I can't imagine. I I just I really don't even want to think about it. It's mind numbing.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Thank you for being here. Download our app today and you can listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Wyoming has become the 19th state to ban men from competing in women's sports. Men uh, who identify as women will be barred from competing with women in high school sports in Wyoming under the new legislation. You know, every time this happens, now they reported it correctly. This was in Breitbart here. Uh, Biological men cannot compete against biological women. And we have talked about how the mainstream media, when this happens, says transgenders will not be able to compete in, you know, this state's athletic programs. That's not correct. They can compete. Yeah. In the gender category that matches their birth gender. Yes. The governor did not sign the bill, did not veto the bill, and instead allowed it to pass without his signature. Republican governor. Way to take a stance. <laughs> what do you actually believe in? Why? What do you? What, 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 what are you? What are you doing? Why is any? You know how conservative Wyoming is. Yeah. How could any Republican not look at the liberal transgender activist movement and say, "No, it stops now." I, I don't know why that was a a hard decision. Yeah. To where you just you're gonna do nothing, you're gonna sit down, then get out. Yeah. That's not governing. I mean this is this is simple stuff. This it, isn't this isn't it really complicated. Is. And if if you can't look, as we have stated, whether it's racism or the whether it's the uh critical race theory or whether it's uh the liberal transgender activist movement be on the offense Mm -hmm. we've stated from the very beginning the liberal transgender activist movement if you've listened to us for that's why we say liberal transgender activist movement right because it isn't anything phobic it's uh simply about science, biology, and women's opportunities. And as we have stated, and that's why we've been on the attack, the misogyny of that movement, the femophobia of that movement is so blatant. Yeah. And so we're on the offense. Mm -hmm. As the meme that I've seen more over the last couple of months says, do whatever you want in your bedroom. Adults, do whatever you want. Leave the children out of it. Yep. When it comes to that portion of it. Mm-hmm. But the biology of it, the, the science of it, stop it. You can't win it. There's nothing phobic about it. 
It's about you, a biological male, wishing to compete against a woman. A woman, and sorry, doesn't cut it. No. Are you allowed to compete? Yes, you are with your biological sex. Yep. And it's that simple. Uh, no hatred. Um, compassion for those in the 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 those transgenders out there that are having a terrible hard time with it. We know the suicide rate is monstrous. But the fact is, it isn't an option to say, lie about this. Ben Shapiro went through that one. Mm-hmm. Lie about it, because if you don't lie about the science, instead of getting people the proper mental health that they should be getting early on, which means parental involvement in it, mm-hmm. uh, which then, again... The parents are closest there at that age. You can get them whatever professional treatment they want because we know the suicide rate is much greater in the transgender community. They claim it's because if they don't get acceptance, they commit suicide. That's bogus. Well, what I'll say is that it warrants, certainly with children, it warrants a a professional being involved in every step of the way. Every step of the way, yes. And the parents being involved every step of the way. When that child becomes an adult, then that child or that adult can make a decision or whatever decisions they want to make, I would still encourage that be made with the advice of uh, health care and mental health care professionals. Yeah, my, my point being bogus is the argument. Right. The argument that if you don't agree, then because that is the that is the one of the major defense. If you don't agree, then that person will be so upset that you do not acknowledge and celebrate them that they will commit suicide. Well, professional help is needed at that point. You don't deny the truth. You get the person the help that they need. If the concern is so great that we have to change science to accommodate it then we're not approach we're not it's the wrong approach altogether we're not addressing the real concern and if you don't address the real concern this will only become a greater problem and others will suffer yeah and that shouldn't be the case for anybody involved but as we have stated i mean and and racism for years because the Democrats have been practicing identity politics for the longest time. In fact, the first victims of identity politics were conservative blacks. Mm -hmm. We've talked about that many times, that if you're black but you're a conservative, well, then you're an Uncle Tom. Mm -hmm. You betrayed your race. What kind of racism is that? A, A black person cannot have a person with darker color skin cannot have an autonomous mind that their mind their character their critical thinking that if they don't think your way they can't be critical thinking and autonomous in a way where they say my skin color does not define what i think and the democrats say yes it is and if you don't agree with that then you aren't truly black 
How racist and bigoted is that? And that came directly from the the liberal black leadership in this country and the Democratic Party. Straight on. Identity politics across the board to critical race theory and the portion of critical race theory that deems that all whites are culturally racist to the point where it's almost like being in their DNA and they'll never get rid of it and therefore society must be based on that. That's a load of horse soup. And it is a... It, it 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 flies in the face of the civil rights era. Yep. And this idea that you must think a certain way because your skin color is this. But if the governor is the kind of bigotry and racism right. that this nation fought against. But if the governor of Wyoming thinks you could be wishy washy, I won't vote against it, I won't vote against I won't go I won't take sides on it, therefore I'll be left alone. Where have you been over the last thirty years? It doesn't work that way with the left. And that's why we've said uh, we are always on the offensive when it comes to, uh, be, you know, I will never be on the defensive on these issues. I will always be on the offense because they're the ones that are wrong. They're the ones that are bigoted. They're the ones that wish to deny women opportunity. They are the misogynists. And they are the bigoted racists. And we clearly present evidence, as we did, for example, when uh, Biden and all the Democrats in the party, talking about the party, maybe not voters, but the Democratic Party was all behind the racist mindset that the Georgia election law was Jim Crow. And they all agreed with it. They lied to the American public in order to get people of different skin colors skin color tone to hate each other that's that's what white supremacist groups do and you call them out on it because now even though i did see that there's some debate now some democrats are actually saying no we need to have the democratic national convention in new york mm. like, oh wow yeah do that oh yeah sure cuz the the a couple of weeks ago, it was like, well, we need to consider Atlanta, 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 Atlanta. And nobody brought up the Georgia uh, uh, Georgia law mm-hmm. that they once said was Jim Crow that moved the Major League Baseball out of there. And tremendous number of small businesses, including minority small businesses, suffered because of it. They didn't care as long as they could promote their lie to cause hatred. That's what the mainstream of the Democratic Party and the president, who was the leader in promoting that uh, falsehood, that's what they're about. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, you know, over and over again, this is really their entire platform. This is what you're going to see next summer. Yeah. On full display, because tell me what else do they put up there? Higher taxes, uh, which includes corporations and and the rich. Then, of course, um, ignore the border altogether. And then everything else is just bigotry and racism, and you must fight bigotry and racism and blah, 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 when and they're climate the party. Change. And, yeah, and climate change. And... Over and over again, 
the American people have paid the price. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's a long time, a year and a half, and it's a long time for inflation to keep going up and up and up and up. There's no reason for prices to come down. And if the Fed does what a lot of people believe the Fed is going to do this week in reaction to the bank failures, and they move a 0.25 instead of 0.50 on the interest rate hike, maybe they go zero. Maybe there's no hike. Or they reverse it. Don't think they'll reverse it, but zero would be I know, but just I, as good as a reverse. But I saw that on social media last week. Maybe it's time to start going the opposite direction. Yeah. Like, yeah, do that. I would love – look, right. uh, Elizabeth Warren has said it. Oh, yeah. We're doing the wrong thing. We're doing the wrong thing. We need to be going in the opposite direction. Um, yeah. And she's also for bailing out all of the uh, wealthy people that suffered from the bank failures. Yep. Tax them after you do it, though. <laughs> tax their wealth. <laughs> yes. Tax we'll their, wealth, them, that you, we'll tax their wealth that you gave them. <laughs> we'll give them money and then take 30% back. <laughs> Eight, six, it's sort of like the lottery. Mm-hmm. Eight six six ninety red eye Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. To determine a driver's Compliance Safety Accountability, or CSA, score, safety event data is recorded and compared against that of other drivers. Drivers are given a CSA score, but unlike motor carrier scores, driver scores are only visible to enforcement officers during an audit. However, drivers' most recent five years of crash data and three years of roadside inspection data is made available to potential employers via the pre-employment screening program. So it's a good idea for drivers to review their online PSP record from time to time. A request for data review can be submitted via data queues to have errors corrected or to have a non-preventable crash designation indicated for a crash. In the event a current or previous carrier is audited, records on drivers with high CSA scores will be targeted first but individual drivers are not subject to CSA interventions like motor carriers. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Crony, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, Remember Joe Kennedy? He was that high school coach that was fired for praying after a game. Remember yeah. that? Right. After a game, he would he, he started it out by he would just walk onto the field and say a prayer by himself. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, he just would sit there and bow and say a, a prayer. And then, organically, other students, you know, students would come up as other players and join him. It was never required to do that. Well, as you remember, he was uh, he was fired for that. The Supreme Court ruled, though, in his favor, said nope. He and we we had said it back then that the Supreme Court would would say no. This is protected. Yeah, and it is. Right. It, it, it it is protected. How we right. did it? Uh, it says Joe Kennedy, the high school football coach, fired for praying after games, 
has reached a $2 million settlement with the school board and will be reinstated as a coach. Mm. Wow. Good. The Supreme Court ruled 6-3 to three in Kennedy's favor in August of 2022 with the justices ruling that the First Amendment protected his right to pray on the field. The court later ruled in October of 2022 that the Bremerton School District in Washington, D.C. must hire him back by March of 2023. In a statement on its website, dated March 6, Bremerton High School said that he would be an assistant coach for the 2023 season. Mm-hmm. Mr. Kennedy will be an assistant football coach for the 2023 season. Mr. Kennedy has completed human resources paperwork, and we are awaiting the results of his fingerprints and background check. <laughs> his background check. We, we need to we need yeah. to detain him in something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's something DeSantis would use, say. Yeah. Huh? Now, I'm, I'm talking about him, him taking the shot at, uh, at Trump yesterday. Which mm. was, uh, Mr. Kennedy will need to complete all training required uh, by the school district. Okay. <laughs> Slow in the roll. The district said it reached an agreement on Kennedy's attorney fees for $1,775,000, which the school board must approve. As with any other assistant coach, Mr. Kennedy will be included in coaching staff communication and meetings, spring football practice, and other off-season football activities. Hmm. We are thrilled that the Bremerton and coach that Bremerton and Coach Kennedy are back together, and we hope that they uh, go undefeated," said the Executive General Counsel at First Liberty Institute, the legal organization representing Kennedy, uh, told the Seattle Times. Yeah. Kennedy began praying on the 50-yard line alone after the end of games until several students started joining him, which morphed into him giving a short inspirational talks in which he cited God and religion. When the school district learned of this practice, they asked him to stop and eventually fired him in 2015. Did he collect back pay? I don't know if that applies or not. I would think if they have to reinstate him. Because it's $1,775,000 went to the attorney's fees. The rest would be his, which would be... That could well, be, that's maybe that's back pay. Yeah, it's, it's like 275000 mm-hmm. Is that back pay for that time? Yeah, quite possibly. Because he would have a suit to get back pay. I thought the yeah. Liberty. I thought the Liberty Institute did that stuff pro bono, though. I don't know. Yeah, um, but it's good to see that all of that is has been well taken to the highest court, and it's been decided in his favor. And that's you know that's a positive. That's a good thing because it was not requiring any student to do that. No, he was never requiring. No. But the left could not. They were losing their ever-loving minds. Yeah, Coach because Coach Kennedy because students, was the problem. Yeah, because students wanted to go pray with him. Right. That was strictly voluntary. And I'm glad he won the case.
five hours a night. And still not enough. Listen to our podcast available on the app and on our website, Red Eye Radio Show.com. And he's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866 90 Right. We touched on this yesterday, but didn't get into the details of it. And mm. I saw some of the uh, the uh, uh, of some of the video from Bill Maher uh, last Friday talking about that. And he brought it up more than once on the show about how Democrats are insane because of the, you know, Democrats in California because of the whole reparations uh, uh, movement. But this story came out. Newsom under pressure to take executive action on reparations if the California legislature doesn't act. If you want to see what is going to become one of the most beautiful <laughs> liberal circular liberal circular firing squads of all time, what's going on in California will be the best. Because no matter what happens... There's going to be a huge liberal circular firing squad. It doesn't matter which direction they go. No, it, it doesn't. Uh, so uh, Gavin Newsom now is facing increased pressure. Remember, he's the one that created the reparations board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is facing increased pressure to use his authority to unilaterally enact proposals that would dole out billions of dollars in reparations to black residents as a way to make amends for slavery if the state legislature doesn't act. The California Reparations Task Force, which was created by the state legislature in 2020, is considering a proposal to give just under $360,000 per person to approximately 1.8 million black Californians uh, who had an ancestor enslaved in the United States, putting the total cost of the program at about six. dollars Hundred and forty billion dollars. The task force final recommendation for reparations will be submitted to the California legislature, which then will decide whether to implement the measure and send them to Newsom's desk to be signed into law. According to an expert and leading reparations activist, as if there's experts in reparations. Uh, however, uh, <laughs> a Newsom, a Democrat should be prepared to use his own power to enact such measures for the state's black residents if legislation doesn't. The task force is doing the grunt work of preparing the final recommendation, but at the end of the day, these recommendations are non-binding and still require the uncompromising political will to enact remedies that will begin to address centuries of compounded harm, said Dreisen Heath, uh, the activist and expert on reparations. Hmm. I just love it. Experts on reparations. Mm -hmm. Free money. I'm an expert. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the uh, Governor Newsom has the authority to act. Uh, and uh, if they are, in fact, aligned with the entire descendant of the community's wishes following the issuance of the final report on July 1st and should do so if state lawmakers fail to act. Uh, the let me see here. Get uh, the social justice groups and some Democrats in Congress have been pushing President Biden for months to establish a national reparations commission by executive order. The White House has indicated Biden, who's largely been quiet on the issue, supports studying the potential reparations for Black Americans, but has stopped short of saying he'd back a bill introduced in Congress that would create such a commission. With the public seventy thirty against, yes. Hmm. As for California, as the process is well underway, 
economists and scholars consulting with the task force came to the latest proposal by using a model that evaluated California's racial wealth gap, calculating damages related to injustices such as housing discrimination, mass incarceration, and health harms. It's unclear how California would pay for such an extensive project. Newsom, who signed the bill creating the task force and appointed most of its members. When I said created the task force, that's what I meant. He signed it and and appointed most of the members. Announced in January that the state faces a projected deficit of $22.5 billion for the coming fiscal year. That's now been up to $30 billion because, oops, we didn't get the tax revenue we thought we were going to get. Oh, darn. To make matters worse, the California Legislative Analyst Office, a government agency that analyzes the budget for the state legislature, legislature estimated in a report uh, that Newsom's forecast undershot the mark by about $7 billion, which would make it you know, uh, $30 billion, thanks to about $10 billion less in tax revenues than expected. Newsom's office did not respond for to a request for comment on this story. <laughs> Yeah, And then they wrote, for this is from last week, on Tuesday, San Francisco Board of Supervisors expressed unanimous support for the draft plan of more than 100 reparations recommended for the city, including a proposal to dole out uh, $5 million each or $5 million each uh, to each qualifying black residents. The proposal of $5 million lump sum payments would cost non-black families in the city at least $600,000, according to the Stanford University's Hoover Institute. The city board also expressed interest in other forms of reparations. Hmm. Roughly 50,000 black residents, uh, such as a guaranteed income of at least 97,000 for 250 years and a home in the area for just $1 a family. Other ideas under consideration, a comprehensive debt forgiveness program that would clear all personal, educational, and credit card debt. Like California, San Francisco is also facing a massive deficit, uh, estimated at $728 million, making it unclear how the city would pay for such a reparations plan. The problem is, now that they've come to a figure and agreed to the figure unanimously, yeah, they can't pay. They can't come up and say, well, we can only pay a million. They no, can't come up and say 50000 to go the full measure. And, and then if they do pass it, you <laughs> If they do pass it, that's the end of San Francisco. No, it is. It's the end. It is. There's no way to pay yeah. for it. We're we're talking about anywhere with everything that they've added on between probably uh, 250 to $300 billion for San Francisco. And their yearly budget is what? $14 billion, is it? 14, uh, I thought it was 17 or 14. 12. Okay. So maybe it's like 14. That. Yeah. Okay. I think it's 14. $14 billion, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, go for it. Because, you know, where are they going to get the money from? They'd have to put taxes on companies. What, what would the tax be? Well, they would have to be immediate, massive yeah. taxes. Yeah. And this is this is really, I think this is an extension of of climate change and the delusion of climate change. Because it's like okay, we can mm-hmm. run the entire we can run the entire economy on solar and wind. No, you can't. Right. We can just we don't need to worry about the money. Just tax the rich. Just do it. Just do it. 
And we think they should because we believe that we believe, unlike the Democrats in Congress that claim they believe in home rule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, Biden signed that D.C. bill yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the Democrats claim they believe in home rule, but don't. We do believe in in home rule, especially if you're already a sanctioned city or state. <laughs> yeah. There is no home rule if you don't have home rule. Well, uh, you know, but, yeah. But uh, but we uh we believe in in federalism mm-hmm. and we believe in the experiments that states should do and go ahead California, do it. Yeah. And you know, now that they've got it to 300 360,000 for the state. By the way, is the state going to say, well, San Francisco doesn't doesn't get the 300,000? 360,000 because they're already doing their own? Or did you get that payment on top of it? Oh, I don't know how you can exclude anyone at this point. I mean, it's like I said, Bill Maher recognized a delusion. This is how delusion. This is how insane Democrats are. Well, look in in the abstract, what we should do is we should do these things. But it was always on the federal level. Something like this was always on the federal level. California thinks they're going to be the hero. Oh, sorry, California, you can't be the hero because San Francisco's too busy being the hero ahead of you. Now you have to pay for it. And how do you back down? Gary, how do you how do you not go through with it? I I don't know what you do now because there's going to be outrage, but here it is. This is uh they they that one activist that I mentioned before disagrees with both the San Francisco and uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, California mm. uh, reparations plan because he believes there should be no limitations, mm-hmm. which would take it even to a higher amount. Yeah. And seriously, if you want to know what virtue sig- the delusional virtue signaling gets you to, that's it. That's right these, there. That's these Democrats that say. Let's do something that we all know is impossible. Mm-hmm. We'll all commit to doing something that is impossible. And so we're okay because we're the ones that came up and we all approved it. And if it can't be done and is struck down by the courts, we can say that we didn't only care, but yeah. we cared the most because we offered a hundred reparations right. that would have bankrupted the city of San Francisco and put California well into bankruptcy Mm -hmm. mode. And so we cared the most because we were willing to destroy our entire city to pay the reparations. I mean, I'm shaking my head here because I just can't get to the thought process. I can't imagine what it's like to have a liberal's brain and live in it for a day. Well, I can't imagine what they do from here. How do you not go through with it? And also, how do you go through with it? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Because either you decide to do it or not. Like you said, you can't decide to do it at a lower rate. 
No. What I want to see is the polling now of people in California. Yeah, right. I want to see the people, the polling of the people who are going to have to pay for it in San Francisco. Right. Just the, not the people that will be recipients and have no bill. They would have to be excluded from the poll. The non-recipients. Right. It's simply the non-recipients who have to pay the freight. Do a poll now in California where the Democrats overwhelmingly supported reparations and now it's at their door. And with, they have to pay for it. With a cost amount. Right. I want to see what the polling numbers are. Right. And it would have to be, would you be willing, <laughs> San Francisco? 600,000. Would, would your family be, win, be willing to mortgage the rest of your life and have all expendable income outside of food and shelter taken from you? How do you stay? You can't afford right. to stay in San Francisco. No, you can't. It's over. Yeah. They didn't act a reparations tax that would follow you across the United States, just like mm-hmm. the the uh, the uh, wealth tax that they wish to create yeah, good luck in California. With that. Wow. It's it's going to be empty because no companies would stay there. No, they're gone. The non-recipients. Wouldn't be able to stay there. San Francisco's dead. It's over. They did this. But see, that shows you how much they care. Mm. We're willing to destroy our entire city to show how much we care. We're willing to go out of existence just to demonstrate how How much much we we care. care. Now that's caring. We care so much, we won't be here tomorrow. (laughs) That's how much we care. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. I shouldn't be doing this to my mind, but I did it anyway during the okay. break. Right. And I, I don't right. have an answer yet, but I, I'm, I'm going to the uh, the uh, uh, Treasury Department of California. I'm trying to find out how long you can take a bond out for a municipal bond. Because you would have to do this. There's no way. You'd have to take out bonds. San yeah. Francisco would have to take out a, you know, anywhere between a 250 to 300 billion dollar bond yeah (laughs) and and number one who's going to invest in that how long will it be and what would the interest rate be demanded from california for many investors for 270 you know two i'll I'll put i'll say 275 we'll cut in the middle for 275 billion dollars in bonds municipal bonds for this for the uh, just the city of San Francisco mm. to pay the reparations. And so I'm thinking, okay, how much would they have to pay every year on it? What would the interest be? A- and would any investor, would it be junk? Would that be a, a junk status municipal bond? <laughs> would we have a new form of junk bonds? I don't know <laughs> how you make this work. No, I, that's what I'm trying to figure there's out. N- there's no level of math to make this work. No, there isn't.
is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can <laughs> you pay me more? Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.